Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Today, we're going to be talking about cannabis. New York has approved 36 recreational cannabis businesses and nonprofits for licenses to operate the first retail dispensaries in the state. And I have one of them here today to talk about the industry and its growing expansion across New York. Air Wellness is a U.S. multi-state cannabis operator. The company's mission is to cultivate the finest quality cannabis at scale and deliver remarkable experiences to its customers every day. With us is Kari Edwards, who is AIR's Head of Corporate Responsibility. His role is responsible for providing strategic leadership and advancing AIR's commitment towards being a force for good by creating a culture of inclusion and providing avenues of opportunity in the cannabis industry. Kari is an experienced leader in healthcare and government. During his 25 years of public service, he worked for several elected officials, nonprofit organizations, and city agencies with a dedicated fo focus on strengthening communities by advocating and addressing racial, health, and civic disparities. Most recently, he ran for Brooklyn Borough President after serving eight years as the head of vice president of external affairs at Brookdale Hospital Medical Center, where he was the hospital's first vice president of color. That's where we knew each other. So, Kari, great yeah. to have you here, man. Thank you so much for joining. Gosh, thank you for having me, man. Like I said, it's been a long time seeing you in the space. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. And it's great to hear about this new role. And, you know, I think myself, other people would just love to hear, how'd you go from running for borough president to getting into the cannabis industry? What was like the transition, the impetus for that for you? I mean, it was interesting because after the election, I was sitting around trying to figure out my next steps. I was about to reach out to the mayor the newly elected mayor and see if there was any positions for me mm -hmm. in any of the agencies specifically you know i wanted to deal with the department of homeless services and so my wife is like you know she's part of a labor union she's like are you crazy you know why don't you find something ever better to do or something different to do and one of our mutual friends jesse compromore was doing some consultancy with air and we're like, they're looking for a head of corporate and social responsibility. Would you be interested? And I'm like, cannabis? Nah, you know, I'm good. I'm an older Caribbean guy and don't want to deal with, a, you know, this whole new world coming in. And he was like, no, they really want to talk about being a force for good. They really want to talk about leveling the playing fields and communities that have been impacted on the war and drugs. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that you ran on, everything from my homeless population to my, you know, criminal justice reform, all these great things that I was trying to get done as a borough president, he was like, look, we would love to have you do that around eight states, because at the time it was eight states. And so I sat down and I interviewed with John Sendelman, who was the CEO of the company, and he really sold me. Like his, his desire is that cannabis is probably going to be the last frontier where people of color and in, in impoverished communities can get resources and the ability to do something different. And he didn't want it to be, you know, to quote him, he didn't want it to be a white man's grab. He wanted it to be more of a diverse environment where everybody has a chance to succeed. You know, cannabis mm -hmm. in its natural form is the peace pipe, right? It's where people get together and, and take a load off and they medicate themselves, but they also kind of like have a very peaceful existence and cannabis in its, you know, form right now are really just about those who have the money versus those who don't, those who are locked up, like we were doing some stuff around the country where people still being locked up jobs for cannabis doing eight to 10 years wow. for something smaller than a blunt, right? Or something smaller than a pre-roll at this point. And so, you know, he said, I want you to be a force for good. I want you to do these things for us. And I was like, I'm in. 
And, you know, it's only a year I've been here, but we've expunged eight different states. Last February, we did a five-state expungement event where we were able to get 4,000 people off of, you know, having old charges, getting them a new start in life. You know, we partnered in Massachusetts with the Metro Housing. You know, we do educational programs for adults. So we, we really look at cannabis as an opportunity for folks and not just about the business of cannabis. So I'd love to hear from you because I haven't spoken to you since you ran for borough president. How was that experience and what, what did you take away from that? Whew. Well, the first thing is, you know who your friends are, you know who your friends are, <laughs> right? That, that was the craziest part of it. It gave me a true understanding of what I feel my mission is in life. You know, going from the hospital where we were dealing with like health access issues and poverty issues and crime issues in South Brooklyn, Southeast Brooklyn, it's to see the entire borough and understand that a lot of our issues are pretty much the same, whether it's a NYCHA complex in East New York or it's a NYCHA complex in Coney Island, you know, or if you're living in Crown Heights and your property taxes are higher than those in Park Slope, it, it just really opened up my eyes to the breadth of the work that elected officials really have to do and the commitment that they really have to make to their communities and not just the ones they're familiar with, but all communities. And, you know, coming in fourth in a race of like 15 people wasn't bad, especially considering I was an elected official. So it was something that was really, you know, and I say really prepared me for this job as well, because you're going from a city of 2.8 million people to at the time eight states with probably bits and pockets that make up almost 8 million people. And to see that much of the issues we have in Brooklyn are the same issues folks have in other states. And so it was an easy transition. I said it's the best second place victory that I could have ever had, you know, but do I miss it? Yeah, I miss Brooklyn politics. I miss, you know, taking care of my folks, but it's been a good journey so far here in cannabis. Well, something tells me you're still going to be dealing with state and local politics in some way in this role. Yeah. Um, because if I'm right, New York State legalized cannabis over a year and a half ago, but the legalized sales haven't happened yet. So right. I'd love for you to just give a sense of where is the market now in New York and how is it opening up? Yeah. So, you know, I believe that the first set of adult cannabis sales are supposed to happen at some point in December. There was a lawsuit to block some regions of their applications, but for the ones that are not blocked, I believe that we will have a finally get to open up an adult use market um, that I'm really looking forward to. You know, our, our company is, our basis is more medical, you know, in the eight states that we operate, all of them are medical with the addition of Nevada being adult use, Massachusetts and Jersey. Um, so we're coming at it from a standpoint where we want to be supportive of all of these new card applicants coming up because they're going to have dispensaries. They're going to have to deal with a lot of like, you know, you know how retail is in New York City, right? It's, it's hand to hand combat. But from our standpoint, what we want to um, engage in is being a medical provider, because when you really look at the research that cannabis does outside of recreational, the healthcare benefits are amazing, right? It's one of the most natural anti-inflammatory plant medicines. You know, it's helped folks with Alzheimer's and, and autism and, and stage four cancer in terms of pain management. And just a little quick story, you know, when I first met my wife, we were dating and you know, her parents are, are Rastafarians. And so she was a consumer and I wasn't. And so she was like, you know, you need to try this. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying this stuff. It's like, you know, I heard all of the bad things, um, but I'm also type one diabetic. And at the time my eyesight was really um, 
bad, badly damaged by high blood sugars. And so, hmm. you know, I was like, look, I'm not going to do this, but you know, you're trying to get some, you're trying to hang out and have a date and make sure she likes you. So I started rookie smoking here and there. And I went back to my optometrist um, th in three months and she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, the diabetic renopathy in your eye, the black spots are cleared up. And I was hmm. like, huh? And I was like, well, you know, I'm smoking a little weed here and there, you know, with this new girlfriend of mine. And she was like, keep doing it. And I'm like, what? She's like, keep doing it. She's like, folks don't really understand. We have endocannabinoid systems, which kind of predate some of our DNA. And, and so it's part of our being. And so from a health aspect of it, as we continue the research and support the research, that there's going to be a lot of things this plant does for health that people don't realize. So that's part of it. But there's also the business side. And I'm applauding OCM for giving those folks the first opportunity to first to get their businesses off the ground. And, you know, if, if we're lucky to get into the market, we'll hopefully support those businesses. So explain that and give people a little better sense of what the first wave of, uh, of businesses are going to be, because not everyone, I guess, that is not in the industry understands that. Yeah. So initially, um, the state was very intentional about making sure that people in communities who have been affected by the war on drugs have the first bite of this apple, right? Um, no pun intended, the apple, but that they are able to now operate in a way for things that they've been locked up for, the things that we've been you know, pulled over for, and, and in some cases, folks are still in jail for. And so they did the conditional license with the hemp farmers to make sure that our agricultural community gets to thrive in this new market. And so folks started to produce cannabis, right? And who are they going to sell that cannabis to? Hopefully the dispensaries. And those then now the second level was to make sure that the dispensaries got a chance to open up and put them in high traffic areas. So whether it's our tourists, whether it's just, you know, what they call them canna curious folks, or just even professionals like my wife, then it's like, hey, we are able to, you know, have an ability to now support New York. And then again, the tax revenue. So, you know, these applications that went in, these 150 to 200, what they call them card applications, are now, you know, they picked their winners and we were supposed to start opening up these retail positions and these retail stores. And again, creating, again, economic influx into our communities, but as well as start to move the needle on cannabis education. And so that's where we are, right? So like I said, December, we're hoping that the first stores have their vapes, their gummies, their flour, and that New York's able to say now this was the first set of stores that are able to sell adult use cannabis. That's on the adult side. On the medical side, they were, in think September around 2017, there were 10 what they call ROs, who are other multi-state operators who were given medical cannabis license. And so you'll see some of those around, but that's a difficult part. If you don't have an ailment that allows you to say that you are allowed to get cannabis, then, you know, the other side of it suffers. So that's where the adult use is being really prominent in that place. So folks who recreationally like to just, instead of drinking a glass of wine, take a pull on a pre-roll, you know, same concept, maybe a little healthier than alcohol, they get a chance to actually indulge in and to support this industry. So you had mentioned that AIR is focused on the medical side. How would that differ in New York where recreational would be legal? Well, it's really not going to differentiate. I think there's like you and I could just walk into a, you know, once it's legal, right? Walk into a adult use dispensary and say, hey, look, you know, I'd like some of that, you know, OG or that haze. And, you know, somebody will bring it down and give it to us and we go about our business. 
when it comes down to the medical side, there's a lot more that goes into it, right? There's a lot more of like, are you dealing with pain management, right? Who, who's the navigator? Who's the person talking you through it? It's really an, an, a health kind of conversation. And so that's why they want doctors to prescribe it. Much like me, like I said, I wasn't prescribed it, but it ended up helping out with my eyes. You know, like I said, you have pain management that folks who have stage four cancer after chemo, they shouldn't be taking opioids, right? They shouldn't be taking ibuprofen. They should take something a little more less abrasive on their body. And so you'll see a lot of the other states that we operate, we have cancer patients that come in for gummies or mm. little tinctures to put in because that's the way that anti-inflammatory helps them, you know, move the needle a little bit. And when you go through chemo, you know, you lose your appetite, right? Cannabis gives you the munchies. And in some cases, the munchies is a good thing. Um, one of the things I like to point out was, you know, part of our, like, again, we're not in New York yet, but part of our community education, you know, we partnered up with um, Senator Prasad, um, Roxanne Prasad from the 19th district in, in Brooklyn, who has an amazing senior population, right? And so as we're starting to educate the community about the goodness of cannabis, I was like, look, can we come out and talk to the seniors about it? And we came out and we came out with the saws and little, the rubs, not, nothing to smoke, nothing to ingest. And we rubbed seniors down on their aches and pains and their arthritis and, and watched the miracle work. And after the um, event, you know, Senator um, Prasad, who is not a true fan of cannabis, even had to admit like, wow, this medical side of it has helped so many others, right? And so those are the those are the safe sides of doing those things but again you want to know how many gummies will take you to go to sleep if you're not sleeping you want to know what's going to stop your aches and pains that's why i think we need a, a robust medical program to address those issues while the others are doing their adult use you know i know there was a huge process for people to get licenses to operate those dispensaries but as a new yorker i mean i see these stores popping up everywhere promoting the sale of cannabis and who knows what else inside. Has the industry taken notice? I mean, of these kind of dispensaries or call them like cool looking bodegas that are opening up everywhere with cannabis signs out front? Yeah. I mean, look, I give OCM a lot of credit, right? Because this industry is a, a difficult one. It's a new one. And so while they were working on making sure that communities who've been impacted on the world drugs, so even some of our you know legacy operators, right? They call it the illicit market or legacy operators. They were legally moving a way to get them into this new industry so that they could come out of the shadows and do work properly. You start to see some of these bodegas popping up, right? And so mm -hmm. they impacted the legacy guys who want to be legal. They impact those who have been affected by the war on drugs and want to start to be entrepreneurs in this space. So recently I've seen OCM cracking down on a lot of these illegal places because the harmful side of it is that no one's really testing the stuff that they have. We don't know where it's coming from. And, you know, you and I would did a lot of work in around Brookdale and imagine if it was another K2 situation. So right. I think that there is a place to help our folks get into it legally. And we have to, again, address the fact that some folks are being illegal on it. And I think OCM is doing a good job of balancing both, you know, getting the bad guys out of doing bad things and getting those who need to be in it and want to be supportive of it into the positive light of it. So um, I give them a lot of kudos because again, it's kind of like raising 30 kids in one day, you know, or basically starting out as a daycare center and having all of these different 
personalities and you got to move it. So there are going to be some pitfalls here and there, but they've been done a great job managing it based off of the regulations and based off of the desire to make sure people who've been affected by this actually have a positive impact in the business. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I haven't seen any of them being stopped, but it only tells me if it's going to be a game of whack-a-mole. You know, you close one, another one pops up. It's hard in a big city, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. You know, you talked a lot about supporting minority communities. What else do you think needs to be done in terms of on the medical side to be able to promote communities of color specifically? I mean, you know, there's two sides of it, right? It's the entrepreneur side, which I think like OCM and those guys are doing a great job of getting folks to understand their nine licenses coming out and you could be everything from a retail to a cultivator and a distributor. And I think they're doing a great job in that. And then I think the second side of it is the health access issues, right? You know, communities of color, the phrase that I think former Governor Cuomo uses, the social determinants of health, like that's real talk, right? And so the reality of where are those dispensaries located? Who are the navigators? Who's helping that senior understand the benefits of cannabis and then giving them that medical side? It's fallen a little bit, right? I think the responsibility needs to be on a company like ours. And that's why we're applying to come in to make sure that the medical program and that there's access points for communities of color specifically. Because, you know, I think you take the three train into downtown Brooklyn if you want to, you know, get out of Brownsville, East New York. But if you're on the L train, you got to transfer. So we need to start looking at putting some of these facilities in these communities. And again, bringing an economic engine in. So not only do we have the store there, but now we also can turn around and support all the other ancillary stores. Who's going to go have lunch? Who's going to go do all of these things? And I think that's part of the way that um, Assemblywoman Crystal Stokes and um, Senator Liz Kruger wrote the legislation to make sure that we create real ecosystems of support through this industry. And so from a healthcare standpoint, it's not much different than being at Brookdale, right? We have to make sure it stays open, that it's located in a place that our seniors don't have to take two accessorized or wait for one to get over there. And so I think, but it really is incumbent on us to do that and get the support of the state. And that's what we're looking forward to do. You know, we're not coming in to say, oh, we're going to open up on the Upper East Side, or Upper West Side. We want to open one of our dispensaries in Brownsville or the South Bronx. So we know that healthcare is real and that, that folks get a chance to deal with this and deal with it through a, a plant medicine. Well, listen, it's going to be exciting to watch the rollout. I'll tell you that for sure. And you know, Kari, it's great to see you again, and congrats on this new role, and I wish you and uh, Air Wellness all the best. Thank you, man, and I look forward to being on the show again, and, you know, as we do a lot of our community outreaches, I'll reach, reach out to you as well, because like I said, the cool thing is we're not in New York yet, but we've been doing a lot of support and education mechanisms and activations so that when we are in New York, that it's a seamless transition. So um, I will definitely be reaching out to you because I love your media. I love your publication. And, you know, you guys gave me my best award ever as, you know, right. the, king, the King of Kings a few years I ago. Remember. So I appreciate I that. Yeah. yeah, it's our pleasure. You deserve it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>